0: Are you sitting comfortably? Then we'll begin.
1: Sad
0: It's over now. I know.
2: Final come down.
1: Again, their friends in podcast land, and welcome to episode one hundred and thirty-three of There's Still Time, the AFTN podcast. I'm Michael McCall, and I'm Steve Pander, and we're trying our very best to be chipper and upbeat after watching the Whitecaps season come to a horrifying end. Really, it was sad.
3: Well, it all depends on what your expectations were in, of the game. Like, Well, like, I, I was expecting 2-0 Whitecaps. And after last week, I wasn't expecting the Whitecaps to provide anything in this game because, you know, you go into Portland, somebody's played 120 minutes three days ago, and you, you don't come up with anything that day. I don't see anything coming up this day.
1: And the uh, Whitecaps fell to 2-0 loss at BC Place. Uh, we're recording after the game. You can always tell because we've got the air conditioning noise. I haven't mentioned that for a few weeks. Just like to mention that but yeah 2-0 loss but the, the second goal it was it was it was it was it pressing forward yeah, yeah, yeah i'm not
3: even going to recap that second goal but but, this, but the opening minutes actually it surprised me because they were attacking big time and came very very close on a couple of chal- shots and it was manny who was really providing the attack um, in the opening 20 minutes i think he had like 3 of the 4 best chances in that that bit
1: yeah i mean the white caps came out all guns blazing We've seen it so many times this season The for the first 10, 15, 20 minutes the Whitecaps just bombard the opposition with chance after chance, wave after wave of attacks but same story that we've seen all, all season there is no end result no goals, nothing to show for, for all that offensive work and Portland just soaked up the pressure you knew they were going to sit back because the the Caps didn't get that away goal in Portland, which, going into the game, we didn't know how crucial it was going to be. Keeping a clean sheet in Portland, keeping Portland off the clean sheet, big, big positive. Inability to get that away goal, was it going to prove costly? Portland always knew that they could come here, sit back, to get that first goal, or the score, the Caps had to score two. Yeah. Kyle Robinson which we will hear from later said after the game that they could have been playing for 90 minutes and he, he didn't think they were going to score tonight.
3: Yeah. And the thing is is you were talking about the, them uh, Port- Portland allowing Whitecaps to control the most of the play and that was something that they were had no problem doing because they had uh, you'll hear the uh, when Porter's talks he has no he had no confidence in the Whitecaps being able to break them down. He, like
1: yeah, I don't think anyone did. I no, mean,
3: so so he, he was like happy to concede possession to the Whitecaps, uh, for that first twenty minutes or even half an hour, or the rest. Once they got the goal, they were okay with doing that for the rest of the game.
1: So let's let's talk about the goal. Big defensive mistakes for me in the build-up. Like two, up three to that. players.
3: Two, three players that happened. I mean, yeah. yeah, you
1: can point fingers at a few of them. I mean, Bettsure seemed caught in two minds. He he didn't know whether to go to the ball, whether to track Valeri. Then Rosales came in. And both of them went to the ball, allowing Valeri to be free, get the ball played to him. He hit the byline, cuts the back. And, and,
3: and, and the thing is, not only that, was also Kofi was not aggressive at all and tried to get to Valeri before he was able to cut it back. He was just like sauntering over to him. You're talking about Morales, Rosales and Betis, they shouldn't be outnumbered in the in, in that deep in the in the third in the defensive third when there's a throw in that deep in there yeah um, no, no way at all Rosales should have been there Bateshore ba- the thing is Bateshore left Valeri to, to cover Wallace he wasn't aggressive enough to stop Wallace from doing it if he knew he was stuck in, with two players he
1: should have been more aggressive got to Villa- Wallace before he was able to get the ball to Valeri and then a fantastic finish from the big man yeah he had a little bit of space. Parker tried to close him down, but he couldn't. I mean, he got the shot off, blasted it into the roof of the net. Ousted had no chance. After that went in, it was an uphill battle for the Caps, and yet you, you never really fancied the chance of getting back into the game.
3: No, uh, they, they seem to be... Especially, uh, we forgot to mention before, too, yeah. but after their chances, after his three or four chances, manny was injured and, and
1: basically it killed well, their, yeah, their, their, their attack. I all. was, was going to ask you, like, what, what to you was the... The key moment of the game Was it Adi's goal Or was it that injury To Kikuta No Manny? it was the injury To Kikuta Manny. Like I mean, Matt, mid- midway through the first half Went over in his well, ankle
3: 15th, yeah, tw- 20th minute Or somewhere, somewhere It was subbed off In the 26th officially yeah. So um, And they had to work on it For a while Because they were playing A man down for yeah. a bit there I, I, the, his, That one play where the, Where he hit the post He was basically Char was Trying to grab him Couldn't grab him Somebody else tried to grab him He got away from that player Took the shot, hit the post, hit the back of Quarzy's head, and you know, depending on the bounce, it could. Eas- it went wide, but it I could have easily gone into the back of the net. With I, uh, I really you know, thought it
1: was going to bounce off his big bald head and go into the back of the net. Yeah, it, Sadly, it didn't. But I mean, Manny in that opening spell was on fire. He was causing the the Portland defense so many problems. But with, with his pace, just like running at them, having that shot that went wide in the sixth minute, the shot that hit the post in the eighth minute, and then after the injury, the spark was completely gone from the the Caps attack and the injury as well he seemed to to slip and he wasn't the only player that had been slipping in and around the Timbers box I felt it had possibly been watered too much yeah. and he just went over in his ankle, we haven't seen the replay but apparently, according to the replay the way his ankle buckled, you knew it was going to be a bad injury.
3: Yeah, it was he was worked on on the sideline and he tried to come back from it but Within a couple of minutes of him getting back on the on the pitch, it was just useless, and he was very frustrated coming off the pitch. He was, it is,
1: just just devastated basically. Well, yeah, and understandably so as well. And question to ask you about that: now he came off, Mauro Rosales came on. Do you think that was the right substitution, or should he have gone for a like-for-like switch and brought Darren Maddox on? I, I
3: think I think people looking back on it, it might have been Maddox, might have been the better option, just because th- it was clear the temperatures are having difficulty with speed. But you don't know how how Maddox would have performed either, because. He he, he he has the speed but he doesn't have the
1: control that Manny has I it's like so, well desperate times call for desperate yeah. measures and it, it's, it's desperate when we're, we're thinking maybe Mastix would have been the guy to come on but I
3: think yeah Robo I think just went with the, his experienced guy in Rosales hopefully and, and you know we were talking we were talking about during the game and you were saying that they were expecting Morales to play about 60 minutes and
1: uh, Rosales to come on for him Well, they, they, so didn't, they that, that didn't know exactly how much Pedro could play yeah. when, if you listen to our last episode of the podcast we, we had a little chat with Pedro and he said he felt he could go the whole 90 which yeah. he did but it was always going to be a risk he didn't know if he was going to break down Rosales as well coming back from an injury don't know how long he could go but the idea I think was to have Rosales on the bench and then seeing how the week game went either bring him on as an attacking sub along with Pedro or to, repa- or to replace Pedro if something happened with, with his injury or he just couldn't go anymore. But he was forced into things early, and he he didn't really add the spark that Manny had, and no. then no one else did. No one no. stepped up. Yeah,
3: none of the... None, uh, no, I don't want none of the attacking... Actually, no, actually none yeah, of, of
1: them Teixeira was the only one that had a little bit of show. But other than that, there was nobody. Yeah, well, once money went off, for me, Teixeira was the guy that was going to be the maker of the break for the Caps. And like, Teixeira was did. on his game and was on firing on all cylinders. And he
3: was, and we should talk about that Teixeira, as long as most of the other attackers, especially Rivero, completely frustrated with the referee today. Um, yeah, there else? was so much frustration with them. There was a point where I think uh, Tischer was accused of hit, trying to hit the, uh, Addy with the ball or something like that. Yeah, there I was mean, a you whole bunch replay, of things. Happening. it went
1: over him. It actually hit yeah. Harvey. Yeah,
3: you know. So, so, there, but there was a lot of frustration. What do you think about the referee? I thought it was,
1: it was, he was, he didn't want to make any kind of calls. It seemed like I, I actually liked that he let so much go. It seemed to be that you'd have to break someone's leg or possibly decapitate them to, to get a card at yeah. one point. Well, but you called about the Betashur tackle earlier on Valeri. Oh, yeah. It should have been a red, you said. Yeah, that that tackle towards the end by Betashur, that that was a horrible tackle, and I'm pretty sure they're going to review it and give him a red and he's going to miss the first game of next season if he is still a white cap. But, yeah, that was that was a scissor, scissor kick motion, followed through to me that was a horrible tackle but I, I thought Elfath let a lot go and I like that in a referee especially in a derby game like this it could have boiled over and got out of control it didn't so I, I, I'll give him actual credit for that I don't think the Caps players really had that much to complain about and Rivero, he moans so much but we'll talk a little bit about Rivero and some of the other players just in the next segment but he, he just he's a non-stop moaner What about the handball? Let's talk about the handball. Yeah, I mean, that, that, that was. was t- I think it was. Uh, well, there was, was, it. was possibly two, two penalty claims on oh, that one. Play. Because Rivero got hip checked. Yeah. I can't remember if it was Char or who it was now, but Rivero got hip checked, so there could have been a, a call there. Then the ball broke to Harvey, who headed it, and it hit the arm of Alvis Powell in the box. I think it was Powell that did, did, did the hip check as well, because he was the same oh, person. Oh, m- might yeah. have been. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I mean, one maybe two penalties there. That would have changed the whole game completely because it was right at the start of the second half. Yeah. Wasn't given. And just the Caps didn't get the breaks tonight, but did they deserve the breaks? No, they, they they didn't, I didn't don't really think they worked it. hard for it. And, and we'll talk about it later again. It, it all stemmed from the, the first leg. Yeah. And, and the, I mean, basically, Carl admitted that they, they got what they deserved. So speaking of that, brings us nicely to hearing from both coaches. So we'll hear a little bit from Carl Robinson because you can get the full video on the White Caps website. Um, and then, Steve, you went to the Portland locker room, but because they were so happy and we were so sad, we decided not to speak to any of the players, so I've just got a little bit of audio from Caleb Porter as well. So here's both coaches after tonight's game.
4: It changed dramatically. Uh, I think the, the, the kids started like a house on fire and you know, put us in the ascendancy with, with playing front foot, football and hit the post and have one or two half chances, and then it changes, but when it's not your day it's not your day and today it wasn't our day we didn't score a goal over two legs when you don't score a goal over two legs unless you're lucky and you go to penalties and win you're not going to win a game of football and that's what happened
1: Not for the first time this season you kind of pepper a team for the first 15-20 minutes but no end result what what does this team need to do to get that decisive early goal and kind of Change really
4: things. Yeah, just, I think the reason why strikers have paid so much money in this game is because they're able to put the ball in the back of the net and we haven't been able to do that, not just tonight but for a number of games this year and that's something that I'll have to go back to the drawing board and my staff in the off-season and, and try and bring some more goals because it's uh, ultimately cost us a little bit,
1: especially tonight um, but sometimes you've got to take on the chin Hind- Hindsight's always a great thing but not getting that away goal now down in Portland last week is yep. That maybe the key to deciding factor in this.
4: you know, I'll never know, I suppose, Michael. And as I said, they're disappointed today. Disappointed for the guys in there, but really proud of them. You know, they should come away from this season. We've achieved a lot of things at this football club, and they should be proud of themselves. Disappointed, yes. You know, we've missed an opportunity, and I think it is a missed opportunity for us this year. Um, but we're a young group of players, um, and we're going to learn. We'll learn from it. And as I said to you when I first walked in here, credit to Portland. You know, they're a good team.
1: Hard to maybe ask this just right after a game like this, but the, the season that the team's had, what, what are the main positives you take out of it and what does the team need to do now to take that next step for next season?
4: It's not hard to answer. You know, I'm proud of them because they've they've achieved a the number of firsts this year and the game is about proving people wrong. I've said that to you all along. Every interview I seem to do with you guys is, you know, if you don't score a goal, it's, you've got to continue to work hard to great chances to score goals. If you don't, if you concede three goals, you've got to get back to basics and defend properly. So there's a lot of positives. As I said, it's, it's disappointing today because, you know, the, the fans out there were fantastic. What an atmosphere, you know, and I'm disappointed we couldn't have won the game for them. But that gives us a little taste and a sample of what we can do if we continue to build and continue to get positive results because, you know, they supported us right until the, the 95th minute, which was great, and I thank them for that.
0: From our vantage point, it looked pretty comfortable. It looked like you guys were able to control the match. Did it feel that way to you? And if so, how were you able to impose your will on this on this match?
2: Well, I think we managed both legs really well. Uh, we didn't give up the way goal, which led into this game. And, you know, we knew they, uh, you know, would want to come out. And, uh, and yet we wanted to be aggressive as well. And, and we went for the first goal. Um, and we got it. You know, and uh, it was something we worked on in terms of getting in that left channel, and uh, it was a great goal. And then that meant now that we could uh, manage the game with the ball, which we did second half. You you saw the possession uh, that we had, and, uh, you know, we were able to keep them from attacking by doing that and keep them from playing the transition they like to play by slowing the tempo down with the ball. And uh, we were very patient and organized. They had a hard time breaking us down, and then we found the counterattack, which I knew would be on. Uh, as they try to push, because we knew they needed two goals after we found the first one. So I thought it was very well managed overall. So going up against Alice, team. Yeah, good, good team, very good team. But we've been playing good teams, you know, uh, you know, late in the year. And like I said, we've been in playoff mode. I think that's helped us. Uh, I think our experience in the playoffs helped us in this series. You know, we've already won a playoff series versus Seattle, 2013, and I think this is now our fourth or. I think it's our fourth win in the playoffs. So, so the maturity we showed today, the professionalism we showed, and how we managed the this leg, but also both legs, I thought was uh, was visible. Um, you know, so obviously Dallas is a good team, and uh, um, but we've been beating good teams. So, I know these guys will be up for it. You Would you say with... you made the most of your limited opportunities, relatively speaking? Although you had the ball, it seemed like you didn't have. Basically, you capitalized on your two most dangerous chances. Well, I think it's a little bit of a tough question because we we found the early goal, so then obviously we managed the rest of the game in a way that was indicative of finding that first goal. Knowing we're up, we're up two goals basically. So, if we didn't find the first goal, then we're probably pushing a little more, we're creating more chances. But we found the first goal. That was what we wanted to do coming into the game. Put some pressure on them and. uh, you know, I think, you know, the second half with us being a little more patient and, and not looking to go forward as much uh, was what we felt was the, the way to manage the game. Were you
3: expecting them to attack so much in the first 15 to 20 minutes?
2: Yeah, they're at home. This is a record crowd. Um, you know, they're they're a good team. They have a lot of confidence. They have a good spirit in their team. So we knew they'd come, come out, but uh, we wanted to be aggressive as well. So... Uh, and we're at our best when we play that way. Uh, we're a team that keeps the ball. We're a team that creates chances. Uh, you know, we're a team this year, not, we didn't score as many goals, but last two years we were top three in the league in scoring goals. So we're a team that usually scores goals, and we're used to that. We're used to carrying games. I think us finding the goal made them carry the game. They're not quite as comfortable when they have to carry a game. They're a little bit more comfortable when they can sit, absorb, and then counter. And uh, with us getting that first goal, that meant that they couldn't just sit in, they had to kind of carry the game and you saw a little bit that second half they, they had a tough time breaking us down um, you know, they're best in transition and I think it also played played in the match with Kakuta coming out for sure, I mean he was he was probably their top guy early in the match and gave us a few problems and you know, him going out meant Rosales is in and we started attacking that left channel a lot when Rosales went in, went in because you know, he's a guy that typically doesn't want to track too much so I thought um, that definitely turned the game a bit. So that that's helped hilarious. your cause a little bit just because there was a loss, loss of speed uh, with Mana out. Across. Yeah, I mean, again, they're a team that's best on the break. So Kakuta, I mean, I've watched time and again him win games that, you know, honestly I'm not sure they deserve to win the game, but he'll pull off a play and, you know, on a counter. And, you know, they've done that time and again. So that was our number one fear was, was Kakuta on the counterattack.
1: So a very honest Carol Robinson there, and a very smug, as always, Caleb Porter after I win. (laughs) Can you blame him, though? No. I mean, Porter Porter made a couple of good points there. He referenced the whole Manny thing, that he knew that once Manny was out, there was very little. Another interesting thing as well, he talked about how he knew that Rosales wouldn't track back, so they wanted to attack up the left, and that's exactly how it played out. Yeah. So just a little bit on some of the Whitecaps players now. I want to start with Octavio Rivero. Another goalless game. I don't know if people saw my article on MLS Soccer during the week where we were kind of talking about Octavio's goal drought. It's 24, 25 games now that he scored just one goal in that time from open play. But one of the stats which I'd looked at was when he was with Renitas in Uruguay and then when he was with O'Higgins in Chile, He got off to a barnstorming start, six, seven goals in his first six, seven games for each club. Same here, he had five goals in his first six games. And then the rest of the season, goals were hard to come by and they just dried up for him. So he's done that now with three clubs in a row over the last two years. Is that something to be really concerned about going forward? It's
3: a concern because maybe he just catches people off guard. Um, but they don't have a book on him or anything like that they don't have a, like a, a set plan how yeah, oh, this guy plays to... and, then, and then once people figure out what, how he plays and everything they're able to track him back and he, he isn't able to contri- create anything himself
1: So and he, it's, he it's, works uh, hard we've, we've yeah. given him hat- tips the whole season about his work rate but ultimately a striker is judged on so putting the ball in the back of the net and tonight he had that one one header that was kind of tipped over from under the bar just before half time but that aside, he he didn't threaten the goal. He didn't look like he was gonna he was gonna score.
3: Yeah, and I think if you want to, look... and we'll talk more about this later when we do our uh, post postseason podcast. Um, the, I think the thing is he needs to get pushed, and he wasn't pushed at all this year. The, yeah, it's clear he, that they he were, he
1: knew there was nobody else yeah, that was going to take his place. Darren
3: Maddox was not going to come in. It was clear even after all his struggles, he still Darren Maddox couldn't still get on the pitch. Robert Earnshaw wasn't going to get on there either. Caleb Clark, obviously, he was a WCFC2 the whole year, and there was nobody... Yeah, and then pulled his arm And nobody midfield-wise or winger-wise can really play striker the way Rivero can, like, so... Like,
1: just talking of Earnshaw, though, it's like you saw the difference that he made when he came on tonight, playing the two-striker system and actually having a proper, proven goal scorer on the pitch... That ten minutes that Earnshaw was on the pitch—I'm And I'm not saying he's—he was the answer for the Whitecaps this season. But he should have got more time. Th- yeah, because I think he showed in the the CONCACAF games that his his best days are maybe behind him. Yeah. But he showed what a proven goal scorer can do. He had that overhead kick. Had the ball in the back of the net when but he, he scored. He, yeah. So he didn't count, but he scored. He did more in that ten minutes. To threaten the Portland goal Than Octavio did in the whole 90 minutes yeah. And for me that's a very telling thing It's a worry heading into next season And as you say we'll discuss all this in our, in our post end of season podcast That we're going to do But I mean Carroll admitted that he's going to look for a new striker And he has to do something So it's something that he knows he's going to have to address In the off season
3: Yeah Rivero I agree with you We'll definitely see it in the next season But today it was just nothing there um, it was obviously very little service from everybody too and well, let's talk about Pedro Morales the captain Not definitely not that, off a step yeah, that's to
1: be expected
3: it, but wasn't able to break anything down and and, and it, it eventually started just sending balls over the top uh, to Rivero and Rivero wasn't able to capitalize on those either so uh, when you guys when you got two guys like Ridgewell and Borchers there uh, those balls over the top aren't going to work they need to work them around
1: I mean in both legs like about Borschers the the battle that Borchers and Waston had at corner kicks was fantastic. It was great to watch. A lot of folk maybe will not have focused in on that. It's just something I noticed. And then once I'd noticed it, I kind of just regularly watched it. But Parker and Waston, very solid in the centre of defence. Can't find any fault of No, with I, I, I think
3: th- I basically had about four players that I had a positive rating on. And I think... Uh, Watson and Parker, two of them. I think Alstead, yeah, I can't because it was go really, really yeah, he controlled the box and everything like that. He didn't let too many chances go in. And then Kakuta Mane, obviously, and unfortunately he the, he was the fourth one, and he was off in the off in the twentieth minute or whatever in the 20, 20s right there. Players that had average games, I thought, it was Teixeira and Laba. I thought they were average. Everybody else was like a negative to me. They really didn't have any effect on the game at all.
1: No, I can't can't find fault with that. I, mean, I don't think Harvey really put much of a foot wrong tonight either. No, I thought I thought he was average.
3: Yeah. Uh, he was one of the average. I don't think he I don't I don't think he did anything to really change the game, but he, uh, obviously you don't expect him to do it too much. He's, he's the kind of player you expect a solid game from.
1: So I don't think we'll, we'll talk too much more about the game tonight. I just want to ask two more kind of questions. One about Portland. Yeah. They're going to face Dallas now in the Western Conference final. How do you see that play out? Do you, do you think they've got enough to get the better of Dallas or are, are Dallas going to live up to their top seeding in the West and, and get into the MLS Cup?
3: I thought Dallas was kind of disappointing t- uh, today. I think they were, I thought they were really lucky. I thought they would have more uh, domination over Seattle. They did have a lot of
1: chances. They just were, were struggling to score and then the, the ending of well, the ending normal was time was fantastic.
3: <laughs> yeah, but I, I, but I think if they play the same kind of game that they played against Seattle in Portland, who get like a two-one result or something like that. I think they should have no problem getting through. If Portland's able to dominate at home and maybe get like three goals up or something like that, then I see that that's the only chance I see Portland because I don't see Portland traveling down to Dallas and playing that well.
1: And just the last thing for this segment, the Whitecaps season. We're going to go into it in a lot more detail with our usual end of season podcasts, but just a, a quick word from you on that just now, Steve finish second in the West, third overall in MLS, get their first home playoff game. They end the season with the most wins i have ever had, the most away wins, the most points they've ever recorded. You have to, to feel it's a successful season. Disappointing tonight, disappointing to end the way it did. Basically, it, the season ended with a whimper rather than a bang against your big local rivals. But overall, a great season and a lot to look forward to going into next year
3: yeah I think so I think people are going to look at this because it's the playoffs that ends the season if this was a European league top four finish that's most teams are looking for that anyways you can't not every team can win the championship they, they went out in the quarterfinals for the League Cup, whatever you want to call it, the MLS Cup, <laughs> according to the FA yeah, Cup, true. kind of, kind of like that, yep. and and they won the domestic, the, the their Cascadia, yeah, the League, the Cup, or the, or Cup. the, yeah. the it, it, whatever you want to the call, call it, Johnson's Paint Trophy, yeah, <laughs> whatever you, because the only that's how many teams are in it, right? Yeah, um, so, uh, it's, so in that way, they, it, I, yeah, I do consider it a successful season, even though it ended on a sour note.
1: I, I, I agree, and we'll, we'll delve into in a lot more detail. I just think it was a great season. Carl Robinson's put together an exciting team everyone from Kyle down to us to just your average person on the street that just shows any interest in the Whitecaps know where the big problem is and it's in the goal scoring front yeah. Carl thought he had addressed it last year with Rivero clearly didn't we need to get a guy in like a Kai Kamara a couple guys like, I mean, if, they can, if they can fit it in yeah but also someone like a Connor Casey that can come off the bench or an Alan Gordon that can come off the bench and And be that that difference maker. Will Bruin, of course, got to mention that. Trading Mattox for Will Bruin or Cubo Torres to to Houston. But yeah, we we need the goal scorer. Kyle knows that. Everyone knows that. Maybe we should have done everything we could to trade up to get Kyle Larne in the the Super Draft.
3: Oh, I think somebody mentioned that
1: in the podcast earlier. Of course, talking to Kyle Larne, he's going to be at BC Place now this coming Friday. And. There's still one more game to see at BC Place this year as Canada come, taking on Honduras, World Cup qualifier. So it's time now to take a little look at Canada.
3: 1,000 to 1 are the odds they're giving us A lot of them are in for a surprise
1: We've got a mighty team that no one else has seen The stars of Canada are on the rise But who can lay down odds on the hearts of 11 men Before and we'll win for you again oh canada will
2: play
1: for you oh, canada. yeah we've come to vancouver first time since 2004 A game against costa rica at swangard stadium they lost 3-1 yeah Honduras big rivals coming to town first game of this CONCACAF semi-final series you can call it trying to get revenge from the 8-1 loss last time yeah I mean anything that they lose six goals or less is going to be fantastic (laughs) but I'm feeling very confident about Canada going into this it's but I was feeling confident about the Whitecaps going into this so yeah. when I'm confident things don't usually turn out well it's, it's a much better team compared to the, the huge o-
3: improvement yeah because you got, you got Junior Hoylet obviously recently committed you got Kyle Lahren you were talking about in
1: Delhi,
3: MLS Rookie of the Year be Tish, two, last two Rookie of the Years for MLS
1: it seems like it's going to be but, um, but yet despite all that they still kind of suffer the same problems as the Whitecaps in that they create lots of chances and they can't put the ball in the back yeah in it. Honduras' squad doesn't look that strong. There's a lot of key players that are kind of missing from it and how how much games Honduran players have played on a turf surface as well. Yeah, it's true. It's I mean, one, one thing to ask you did you ever think you would see the men's national team come and play a World Cup qualifier in Vancouver ever again?
3: No, honestly I didn't and I, I, I still think people are surprised that it's happening but Eight, with, the, with the announcement of 15,000 tickets being sold um, and they're expecting maybe up to 20, or something like that. That's very surprising.
1: I think you were saying that's the most ever or most in a, how long? It far? was the most for a long time. And uh. the, the tickets sold so far, uh, Victor Montagliani spoke to him on Thursday, confirmed 15,000 just now. He's hoping to get in the low 20,000s. Initially, they targeted selling out the lower bowl. Can't see that happening. No. I think well, you never Cap- know. There's
3: a lot of walk-up, too. Yeah, but
1: if the Whitecaps had won tonight, everyone would have been buzzing about football. Now yeah. there's going to be a lot of folk, myself included, that just want a break from football now for a little bit. Yeah. But, I mean, it's great ticket sales. It's more than they sold at this stage of the last campaign for the games in Toronto. It's more than Toronto got for the game against Belize. Yeah. If the sales are good, and Montagliani said it's not dependent on this, but if the sales are good... If the team wins, if they like the environment, if they like playing on the turf, it's going to be hard to argue not bringing the next qualifier against Mexico to BC Place.
3: Well, even maybe skip that qualifier and bring the next
1: qualifier after that. At least Well, yeah, because that's that, that September let it be, and that's El Salvador. So. Don't
3: let it be 10, 11 years yeah. before you bring another qualifying game in there. That's all we wanted. We don't want every qualifier here. We're just asking for it to be rotated back and forth. So it's not, not, it's not Toronto all the time, which, you know, they've had success in Toronto. Um, not obviously the qualifiers, but other games. But, you know, it's good to have it back and forth. So it feels like a national team instead of just a Eastern team.
1: And it's a, it's a tough group they're in. They've got Honduras. They've got Mexico. They've got El Salvador. That's why this game is huge. For, right off the bat. Top two go through So you kind of have to think I'm already writing El Salvador off But you have to think it is a battle Between Canada and Honduras And where Canada fell down the last time round And didn't qualify for the Hex Was failing to do the business Against Honduras at home So they have to get off to a winning start Three points on the board will do so much more And then they travel to El Salvador A few days later They can come out of these first two games With six points Or four even I say four yeah, I mean, eight, even enough. four, but it's like six, four, five. Don't know how they would do that, but no. that would be phenomenal. <laughs> but if, if they do bonus something point. like that, that, oh, just goal scored you the bonus point like the World Cup in rugby. <laughs> but it would get their, their campaign off to such a good start. And with the players that are now committing to Canada, the great young players coming through, I am very confident that we're going to get to the hex. Not sure at this stage how far, whether we can get through that but that's for another day yeah, I'm so it not depends even,
3: how this team really I, bonds I'm not even concerned I, I, even if we're at least competitive Going into the hex, not like we don't have to make it to the hex, but I don't want to lose eight one in the, <laughs> the yeah, last I, game. I don't think that's, that's gonna happen. That that that's the thing that you don't want to see. Like you want to see com- com- competitiveness going in. If they make the hex, that's fantastic. That's what you want to do. I don't see them qualifying for the World Cup this time. But this is all to set up for next one, 2022, when they could go to uh, Qatar and burn, you know, burn their head off if they want to.
1: I think that the worst, the worst uh, scenario is. The crowd stays at around 15,000. It ends up in a nil-nil game or even a Hondurans win. And we're not going to see the national team back here. Yeah, no. But like, I'm, I'm confident for, for this group of matches. Um, I'd love to have the Mexico game here. That would be phenomenal, the atmosphere. The other thing we should mention as well, although we know that there's 15,000 tickets sold, we don't actually know how many of them have gone to Honduran fans.
3: Yeah, that's true. It could be 50-50 yeah. split, it could be 60-40. Don't know that.
1: Now... Got a chance during the week, myself and Gary Kingston from the Vancouver Sunway. We caught up with Bobby Leonard-Doozie at Whitecaps training and we spoke to him about the national team coming back to Vancouver, just the programme in general and playing on turf, everything like that, a few other things thrown in. So let's just hear a little bit now from former Canadian player, former Canadian manager, Bobby Leonard-Doozie.
0: What does it all say about the... Interest in soccer in this province at this at this at this time. I think we're in really good shape. <laughs> I, I don't think we've 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 actually um, we've scratched the surface, but I think that there's there's more opportunity there. The World Cup if anybody said, including me, like when we when we got the World Cup, I thought, okay, well, let's see what happens. And then all of a sudden, I go to a Nigeria U.S. game, and there's fifty plus thousand people there. Granted, most were Americans, but even at that, and then you see the support for the Canadian team. I mean, that's that's a little different because you're marketing an event. Yeah, it, it's yeah. in, it's out, and and it's significant. Whereas uh, you know what what we're doing is we've we've got. We've got to make sure that we're coordinated in our approach. The men's national team, That my hope is that the place, there is 27,000 people, that they fill the lower bowl because that would then, I think, reinforce what you've just suggested is or, or asked is where the, the game seems to be in good shape. So, And I think that that will be the case because when you think about it, and that's the one thing that I've said all along, is when we're developing players, we're developing players for our team, but let's get back to the World Cup because every four years I think this is even more popular than four years ago and it can't get any more popular and then another few years go by and the television numbers the level of interest so imagine if we were actually at that World Cup what that would do for the profile of the sport that's where we gotta get to. Did did you ever think you would see a Canadian international in Vancouver again? Qualifier? Um, I, I, I did but what worried me was was the whole business of the turf, and in, in my opinion, if if uh, if I had anything to do with it, I would have I would have used it as a, uh, a competitive advantage, because the other t- teams, are not going to like coming in here and playing on that. And so, why wouldn't we? And and again, with the quality of the turf, it's not like when I played, like they were playing on cement, essentially. So the quality of the turf now, and I think. You know, the, the response we've got from, from teens and even the media guys that were out on it on the, the media day, it's, it's way different to the, the, the stuff we, we had there before. So I don't, and I actually think the day is coming, and I probably won't be alive then, but the day is coming where it's probably going to be turf and they're going to get to a point where the turf is going to be, is going to play like that. So um, So that was my worry. I was worried that we were making the decision because the players kept saying they don't want to play on turf. But but I I, I feel like there's nothing. We've got to this stage where I keep thinking about when I played, and I, and I, I I'm reluctant to go back to all our yesterdays. But I think about Beckenbauer. Or I think about Pele. Yeah, they played they on turf, and one, nobody even yeah. complained about it. It was like uh, so. Why why the big issue with turf now? Why and and again, I'm on it. I don't. And I'm walking on it, I'm not playing on it, but there's no question that it's 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 way better and it's it's a way of the future, as far as I'm concerned. In the time when hats were
4: high I had no Canadian
0: flag, just the sign of David Roger. Too scared to purchase Roger, When I walk through the clay and the shadow of fiery jack.
1: And the Canadian flag. So, Bobby Leonard Duzzi there just talking a little bit about the Canadian national team and the game against Honduras on Friday. So, the Whitecaps season is now officially over for 2015. Done and dusted. The MLS season coming to an end. So, obviously, at this time of year, it's awards time. Three Whitecaps players up for those awards. We've got. Kyle Robinson up for Manager of the Year, David Ousted up for Goalkeeper of the Year, Kendall Waston up for Defender of the Year. Fair nominations? And oh. how do you think they're going to do?
3: Yeah, I think so. 100% fair. Um, I think uh, if we let's go coach of the year first I think yeah. I think that's one the well, he's least likely
1: New York's Jesse Marsh yeah. and da- FC Dallas's Oscar Perea I think that's
3: the least likely the winner yeah. Be- only because that people tend to vote for the sh- uh, Supporter Shield winner yeah I think it's going to go to Marsh I personally voted for Perea in it I, I, I would I would, have given, I would give it to Marsh as well, only because, uh, you know, he came into a team and he was basically, I think, in the open uh, house. But he inherited a good team. He inherited a good team, but the open house, he was booed out of this. Out of yeah. I remember that. I remember hearing that at the beginning of the season. So he came under a lot of fire at the beginning of the season. And he we, we well. nearly
1: had Jesse Marsh. He was interviewed yeah. for the job when Martin Rennie was fired. Yep, yeah, that's true. and, um, then, and then Goalkeeper of the year. Goalkeeper of the year. I think that's another one that's,
3: might go to somebody in the East. Um I think Bill Hamid well, is... A, yeah, uh, Bill
1: Hamid and Robles are up for it. Yeah, I think one of those two guys Mike I think Robles I, is going to get it. Yeah. Bill Hamid being... One of the national goalkeepers. One of the national goalkeepers. I mean, he's, ha- got, he's got a good chance. I think and Kendall
3: it, Waston's probably got the best chance out of the three.
1: Yeah, the thing with the Whitecaps players, though, is we play on the West Coast. The, a lot of our games kick off at 7 o'clock, 10 o'clock Eastern. It's How the many curse of, of these Eastern journalists watch the Whitecaps? It's the curse of
3: every league. Yeah. The West Coast players get less... uh Viewing time than the other teams,
1: and Waston is up against uh, Le- Laurent Simon and Matt Hedges from FC Dallas.
3: See, that's where I think that I look like, honestly. I I don't we I don't follow every player out of every team, but that's where it seems like Waston would have a chance because the other two don't have as much name recognition and everybody you, you talk to you, you hear about it when during the games and you see other people tweeting about it around the league and they're constantly complimenting yeah. Kendall Waston and I think that's I, where I think
1: Waston will that's the too.
3: one where I think somebody he's going to win it
1: Got to talk as well Just very quickly About a couple of the other awards MVP has to go to Jovinko Oh
3: yeah I think so No doubt
1: And Rookie of the Year Has to go to Kyle Larn Yeah Although I did When I did my vote He could vote for First and second choice I actually put Tim Parker As my second choice For Rookie of the Year I think it's a viable candidate I thought he's been fantastic But what goes against Parker Is he didn't play the full season full He kind of more came in, in this summer And
3: I think if there was a, uh, Just I know Giovinko you, you said was the Easily the uh, I think if You go second half Season MVP I think that one goes to Drogba. Honestly, the yeah. way he performed, and I think, and and we'll talk about more of this later on in, in the post-season podcast, but you wish one of those two, well, obviously Giovinco was going to be there the whole season, you wish the Whitecaps had a better chance at getting Drogba over to
1: uh, Vancouver. Or just anyone that can put the ball Anybody in the back. Anybody like and it, as Drogba,
3: as we yeah. Said, yeah. It might have made a huge difference.
1: Just a couple of other quick things just before we wrap up here. First of all, what I want to say a huge congratulations to Ottawa Fury. A few white cap connections there with Martin Nash as assistant coach and Tommy Heineman banging the goals in. Got the two goals today as Ottawa Fury saw of Minnesota in their NASL semi final. Went to extra time. As we said, Heineman got the two goals. Setting up a NASL, so what to call it, the Soccer Bowl, but it's an NASL championship now they're calling it. Yeah. At New York Cosmos next Sunday. A uh, strange day to have it right in the, the middle of the international window, but obviously but they want to have inter- Yeah, how many,
3: but how many players are going to be international, right? Well, De
1: Guzman's going to be with Canada now, so he can't play for Ottawa in the final unless they release him. I think, him, w- I, think I, have I, a fe- I have a
3: feeling they will release him in that case. I, I hope
1: so, but I mean, good luck to Ottawa. Earlier in the season, I had a chance to speak to Steve Nash for something I was doing around the All Star game. And I actually asked Steve just if he's been following his brother Martin's progress at Ottawa. So let's just get a few quick words now from Steve Nash. I've Got to ask you about your brother and like how well he's doing out in Ottawa. Do you get a chance to follow him that much?
3: Yeah, yeah, they're doing all right, I and mean, he's really enjoyed it. So uh, just proud of him, happy for him that he's you know still in the game and helping young players and working his way up as a, as a coach in his career.
1: So, Steve Nash there, just talking about Ottawa Fury and the success that his brother Martin has been as assistant coach there. A few other well-dones just want to throw out there as well. Uh, in CIS Soccer, the UBC Thunderbirds won both the men's and the women's Canada West title. Both teams now going ahead to the Nationals. The men are travelling to Toronto, it's getting held at York University, looking to get their third national title in the last 14 years, 14th title overall. The women are actually hosting. So if you're around and you want some more football, Thursday to Sunday, the CIS Women's Nationals are being held at Thunderbird Stadium. Eight teams, UBC there representing BC. So get along and cheer them on. We're going to run another Thunderbirds week on AFTN next week. So we're going to have lots of coverage. Watch out for that. I spoke to Mike Mosher. Uh, we also spoke to WFC2 player Chris Serbin, who scored the, the goal that won them the Canada West Championship. And also former Ottawa Fury goalkeeper Chad Bush, who is now the goalkeeper with the Thunderbirds. And
3: I want to uh, also send out good luck to the women, um, especially my sister-in-law's cousin, who is on the team. And uh, hopefully they'll be able to bring it home this weekend.
1: Well, at least give her a name check. Well, fine. Amrit Brar. Yep, so good luck to both the men and the women's Thunderbirds. Uh, SFU clan are waiting to see if they're in the postseason. it depends if they get in the selection show, it's looking they they're, finished second in GNAC yeah. but despite that it looks like they might actually miss out this year which would be a shame because they've come on really strong under the the new management of Clint Schneider after Alan Koch left so I think that's all, all our congratulations and well done's there so just before we go, Steve, just let everyone know where they can find you online.
3: If I ever get back on Twitter, you can find me at WhitecapsBeat.
1: And I'm Michael McCall. You can find me on Twitter at AFTNCanada. Read all our stuff away from the numbers, AFTN.ca. I'm also a Whitecaps WhitecapsBeat reporter for MLSsoccer.com, so read all my stuff on that. So that is, sadly, the last post-game show of the year. Whitecaps, season comes to a heartbreaking end against the Timbers tonight at BC Place. They'll be back all guns blazing for 2016. We'll be back before that, though, with some of our special end-of-season podcasts. So until then, thanks for listening. Take care. And as always, even in defeat, Morn the Caps.
4: Going to your first match is an experience you'll never forget.